In the name of Jesus. The gospel lesson for today serves as our sermon text. But before I begin the preaching, I want to say a couple of thank yous. Um, thank yous to this Christian congregation. A part of it is personal. Um, I had the privilege of being a member at this church in the past, and evidently I will in the future as well. Here, um, we were fed with the word of God. Here we received the sacrament. Four of my children attended your congregation's Lutheran elementary school. Three of my children were confirmed here. Personally, thank you to St. Paul's Lutheran Church. Now I serve the Western Wisconsin District and I serve in the Ministry of Christian Giving. And on behalf of the Synod, I want to say thank you to this Christian congregation as well. We keep statistics going back to 1987 and in that amount of time, this congregation has contributed by the end of this year about $2.7 million to the work of our church body. On behalf of a grateful synod and all the people she serves, thank you to St. Paul's. Now, let's get on to the preaching. Do you want to have a Merry Christmas? Then have a good Advent. And if you want to have a good Advent, Repent. Now, I know, that's out of step with the times. There's no two ways about it. It doesn't sound so appealing. But it is what we need. We need more sincerity and less shopping. Fewer parties and more care for the poor. We need more of repentance and less of the reindeer and the tinsel. And if you think that I'm woefully out of step with the times, let me introduce you to John. John the Baptist out in the wilderness. Just look at him and you are struck by his appearance. First of all, where he's appearing in the wilderness. If you're going to get to see him and you live in Jerusalem, it'll be 20 miles about to go out there to see him. It'll be downhill to get there as you descend down to the Jordan, but that means it's gonna be a 20 mile uphill hike on the way back home. And when you get out to the wilderness down by the Jordan, the area is crowded with thickets and brambles. It does not look very appealing. It is not an easy place. You have to leave where you were comfortable to go out to see him at all. And then look at him. There's 30 years of reddish-black or brown-black Hebrew hair on his head. We're not told if he knew what a comb was. In addition to that, he wears that camel's hair shirt. Now, I don't know if that was the usual garb for a prophet in his day, or if even amongst the hair shirt prophets he stood out, but John looks different, dresses different, and, and don't even get me started about what it was like to have lunch with him. There's not going to be a, a glass of wine or a bottle of beer to wash down that locust and honey sandwich. Everything's different about him. When you simply look at him, you are shocked out of your complacency. Something is different here. Something strange is happening. And then he opens his mouth. 
Repent! Is what he yells out. Repent! This stranger is preparing us for Christmas. He is preparing us for Christ by preaching repent. Make straight paths for him. Tear down the hills, fill in the valleys. Get ready to meet your God. And you get ready in that word, repent. So of what should I repent and how do I repent? Let's start with the big ticket item. It's the thing that matters. It's the first commandment matter. He is a holy God. I want you to think along with me about that. He's a holy God. And we are not. Holy means he doesn't sin. He doesn't think a sinful thought. He doesn't do a sinful thing. And he doesn't put up with sin. He is righteously, holy, holy, upset by every sin and every sinner who commits them. And if that doesn't frighten you, it's because either you are refusing to recognize what a holy God is and how holy that God is, or you're refusing to recognize how you are not holy in and of yourself. There, there's another side to his perfection. He is perfect in his love. He loves perfectly. He is completely selfless in his love. If the Lord Jesus Christ were one little bit selfish, he would have stayed in heaven. There he has glory and honor. He's the eternal Son of God. Everything is perfect for him. But his love is so profound, his selflessness is so profound, that he looked at the people who were not holy, and he gave up his power and glory to be born of Mary. That's perfect love. He is selfless. But you and I are selfish. What matters for me, what works out well for me, the big problem is a first commandment problem. We fear, love, and trust in ourselves above all things. We do not love as he loves. And coming to recognize that is a shock to the system. It's what the word repent does to us. You can't get away with diddly squat in front of this holy God and the preaching of repentance says, so quit trying to get away with it instead of making excuses for your sin. Repent in honest repentance before this God. That's what John preaches as he gets you ready for Christmas as he gets you ready for Christ. And he's not the only one. Remember, the title of this gospel is the gospel of Jesus. 
It's not the beginning of the Gospel of John, the Gospel of Jesus. And Jesus preaches the same exact thing. Over in the Gospel of Luke, when Jesus is 12 years old, for the first time in recorded history, you hear his voice. I think you remember what he said. Mom, didn't you know that I needed to be about my father's business? I needed to be here in my father's house. Jesus is doing the business of the father. And the business of the father is to end the separation between those he has created and still loves and who have now become sinful. Jesus is stepping into that breach. What is it that is separating you from God? It is the problem of your sin. It is not your skin color or your gender or your occupation or your nationality. None of that separates you from God. The problem lies within us that we have this inherent idolatry around the throne of self. Jesus has come on the Father's business, and in order to get to that business, he preaches the same way John the Baptist does. You heard him first when he was 12. When he opens his mouth to preach in the Gospel of Luke, he says, the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent and believe the good news. That's also how he ends his ministry. I want you to think about this. That on the night of the resurrection, he said to the apostles gathered there, this is what you're going to, this is what you're going to preach. Repentance over sins and forgiveness of sins. Go with that double-headed message wherever you go. From the beginning of his ministry to the end, he preaches, repent, and believe the good news. So do you want to have a Merry Christmas? Then have a good Advent. And if you want to have a good Advent, it starts here. Repent. However, I want to be very clear about this. If I preach the perfect sermon and lead you to be sorry over your sins, and if we stop there, then I have become a damning preacher. To be sorry over sin is the stuff of many religions and much of counseling. But it is not Christianity. To be sorry over sin is a dead end in and of itself. Just ask Judas. He was sorry. Maybe I can make this comparison in preaching repentance. You'll understand it if you play cards. So far, I've dealt you the ten jack 
queen and ace of hearts. You're so close. Uh, if you play cards, that's almost a royal flush, right? But you know what that hand is worth? Nothing. Oh, I know, you can argue with me and say, well, it's ace high. But the hand is worth nothing. And preaching is worth nothing if we leave out the king of hearts. And that's what John is dealing to you. He gives you the king of hearts and preaches this way. He preaches a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Preaching repentance to convict you of your sins so that your eyes will be open in this stark wilderness as to how bad the problem is and baptizing or washing as a sign, a sacred sign of cleansing. It's pretty simple, isn't it? You wash your hands, you wash your dishes, God washes you in the holy washing of baptism. Baptism is more than a sign, but it is a sign. And it's an easy picture, isn't it? A sign of cleansing. And that's what John preaches. I don't know what we would make of baptism if only John had baptized. But the question doesn't really matter because it doesn't end with John. Again, it is your Lord Jesus, shortly before he ascended to heaven, who took this sign and makes it into a seal and a sacrament that changes everything. Shortly before the ascension, he gathered the disciples together and he said, this is the way it is. I've got all the authority in heaven and on earth. And because I do, I'm sending you. Go, go make disciples of the nations and I'll give you two tools. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey, teach them to observe everything I've commanded you. And then he attached this promise. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Now think about that. That means we are not alone in this church, are we? I am with you as you carry out these things. The Lord Jesus himself is present. He also made a sacred promise Listen, it's a promise for you. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. No longer fearful over the sins we've committed, but by the holy work of Jesus, washed and saved through what he has done for us. John preaches a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, and Jesus extends it and puts it into effect, the forgiveness of sins. Let's look at what that forgiveness is. There are different words used for forgiveness. One, the one that is used here is, is a lifting away, a, a sending away 
of sins. Think of that. A lifting away of your sins. Uh, kids, I'm going to go back to math class for a little bit. I'm not exactly sure how uh, they teach you today, but I'll tell you something that they taught me back in the day. They were teaching me subtraction, and they said this. If you have five apples, and I take away five apples, how many do you have left? Now, I learned a little bit about math from them asking me that question, and I want to take that question and bring it now over to the problem of sin. Here's the way it is. If you have a bazillion sins and he takes away a bazillion sins, how many do you have left? That's the preaching of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, for the lifting away of sins, the sending away of sins, that they are no longer on your shoulders. And quite frankly, your shoulders are not big enough to bear that problem of sin. That's why Jesus stepped into this breach, why he came to this place so that he could take the burden of your sin, that it would be on his shoulders and he would kill that damning curse forever by a sacrificial death over sin and his powerful resurrection from the dead. So it stands. If you have a bazillion sins and he takes them away, there are zero sins that belong to you. This has been forecast for a long time in the scriptures. He says things, our Heavenly Father says things like, as far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed your transgressions from you. I will take your sins and drown them in the depths of the ocean. He says this, I will blot out your rebellious deeds for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. All that was forecast, and now it is coming into being based on who Jesus is and what Jesus does. And John is getting you ready to meet him. So that this forgiveness isn't something that's just out there, some sort of a theological idea. But so that this forgiveness comes here, that it belongs to you. I, too, am forgiven because of who Jesus is and what Jesus does. John the Baptist forecast something else, too. How this forgiveness comes to you. He says it in our text. I'm washing you with water, but this greater one who's coming after me, he's going to wash you with the Holy Spirit. Again, after the resurrection and before his ascension, Jesus picked up on that. He said to the disciples, John baptized you with water, but you wait here in Jerusalem right now because in a few days you are going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, it changed the Christian church forever, a change that is still taking place right here and right now as the Holy Spirit working through the Word and through the sacrament comes to people 
and convicts them of the problem of sin and convinces them of the solution of the Savior. It isn't just something that happened to other people. It's something that's happening to you. As the Holy Spirit comes to you to create and sustain this faith that what he has done is enough. The Holy Spirit is working on you right now to repent and believe the good news. In this season of Advent, don't lose your way to the frenzy of commercialism and the stress of shopping. Step back from the days before Christmas, the D-A-Z-E days before Christmas, and repent of your sins. I want to say one more word about repentance before I say amen. Repentance is fatiguing. I know it is for me. The same old sins crop up again and again, and, and new sins have a way of popping up in our lives as well. I know it is sometimes the case here during the confession of sins that your pastor will say, and now we take a moment of silence to confess. And during that time, you may confess personal sins that you wish to speak only to God. And one of the things that is stunning to me is that I am confessing the same sins I confessed before. Why haven't I made them go away? You see how essential repentance is? because they come back again and again and again. And we cannot relieve ourselves of the burden, but we can come to him. And I know it may be fatiguing, but we come to him again and again and again to confess, Heavenly Father, I've done it. But that's not the most important part. The most important part is what happens next when your, pastor, <clears throat> when your pastor turns back from the altar to say what he was commissioned to say by the Lord Jesus Christ on the night of the resurrection. By the authority of Jesus, I forgive you all your sins. And that's why I need to be here in church next week as well to confess and to receive the saving absolution of Jesus Christ. Always listen to the voice of Jesus announced through your pastor, your sins are forgiven. Repent of what you have done and believe in what Jesus has done for you. He came on his sacred mission back then, and he's coming for you right now. This Lord Jesus comes to you. Repent and believe the good news. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Please rise. This is his sacred promise. The peace of God that goes beyond all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Together with God's people of all times and all places,